The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Again, Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by the way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up into heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. His speech impediment was removed and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Uh, praise the Lord. Always good to see you every week. I always miss you guys, by the way, during the week. So just so before we dive into these amazing readings today, just an update of what's been going on, because as many of you know, uh, we're the main shelter site for the entire county. And so the latest is that as the, the sheriff was just here a couple of days ago, and he was speaking to many of the evacuees, and they started opening up sections of the county where there used to be uh, evacuated from, they're letting people back in. Because as we all know, winter will be here fast, the, or the, uh, the cold season. So they want to get the people with homes still standing, begin that process of, of trying to rebuild their lives again. And so they're letting people back in. And so the ones that remain are the ones that have no homes to go back to. And so social services was here just yesterday, and we're trying to figure out ways, or they're trying to figure out ways to get them into temporary housing. So we want to we're hoping to wind down the shelter here now because that's everything we've been doing for about three weeks or so, I believe, or longer. And so um, so that's kind of the, the latest update. So hopefully, if everything goes well and we're able to find homes for the people remaining there, uh, the shelter is slowly to begin to wind down because they're no longer accepting new evacuees, by the way. And so we're slowly winding that down. And again, thank you so much for all, all that you've been giving because whenever, whatever needs popping up, I, I, they, they relay it to me, and then I relay it to you, and then you guys always respond overwhelmingly to the point where we got to turn you away. <laughs> so, so thank you again. And even the financial side, uh, the number in the bulletin is not the updated one, but we've raised over $15,000 already. And, though, and that money we allocated uh, now as we begin, as people get back to their normal lives, uh, we want to use that money to help people who have directly lost their homes. So again, 100% of all that money is going to go to people who are directly affected by the fire. 
It won't go to our administrative costs or anything like that. 100% to the fire victims. And they're so generous, by the way. If you, if you came in through the side door here, if you notice, we're missing a door. We're missing a door on the side here. And the reason why it's there, because one of the evacuees says, Father, you guys have been so grateful to, to, to us. He says, I want to refinish your door. I said, okay, go at it. Go to town, man. So, and so that's why there's no door there, because he's stripping the door. Because as you saw, it needed to be touched up. So it was one of the list of many things we got to keep up and maintain the parish. So that's why there's no door here. And so he's refinishing the door out of generosity. He says, I want to give back to your community. So I'll strip your door for you and revarnish it. So I said, okay, that's fine. So praise the Lord. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So last Sunday, in fact, the entire past couple of weeks, we've been having amazing, powerful readings. But the question that I brought up last weekend was a rhetorical question that I threw out to everybody. So what does God want? Because I don't know, that's how my brain works. I, I want to boil down the faith to its bare bones to make it simple. And what does the Lord want? And you recall that answer. What does God want from you and me? And it's this, the human heart, that's what he longs for, that what he, that's what, exactly what he wants. Because remember, they even asked Jesus, Jesus, remember the gospel, not today's gospel, but in other parts of the gospel, they asked him, Jesus, what is the most important thing? What is the most important law? Do you recall that question when they asked our Lord, Jesus, what's the most important thing that God wants from us? And Jesus answered, was probably the most famous line in all of the new, all of the Old Testament. He just simply repeats it. He plagiarizes the Old Testament. He says, to the most important thing that God wants from humanity is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Essentially, he wants the heart. That is why every practicing Jewish person, even to this very day, they memorize that line from Deuteronomy chapter 6. They repeat it in the morning when they wake up, in the middle of the day, and in the evening. In fact, if you ever see an Orthodox Jew, they have this, this, this weird box that they put on their arm and on their head, and they wrap it around their heads and their arms, and they repeat Deuteronomy chapter 6. Shema Israel Adonai, Ilochanu Adonai Chadad. Repeat that constantly, constantly, constantly. Why? Because they're saying, they're trying to remind the heart. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Because this is what God wants. Recall back now to Genesis chapter 3 during the fall. Adam and Eve. Remember that powerful story? By the way, in your own private prayer time, reread Genesis. It will unlock the mysteries of the world. And you see everything, because everything begins in Genesis, by the way. And you'll see and help us understand our current predicament. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent inserts into the heart, into the minds of Adam and Eve, our first parents, that God must be rejected. God must be pushed out. His laws, we must do our own thing. God is a liar. Separate yourself from him. But notice what happens next. Because we are created, remember, go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that we are created in the image and likeness of God. 
We are created for a relationship with the Lord. But the serpent tricks us to reject him, therefore leaving a massive gap in our lives. And immediately what happens next, when we reject God in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 4 now, and this is where you and I come in, we see what happens next to humanity. We now latch on to material possessions to fill that gaping hole. That's that's the absolute story of Cain and Abel. Remember Cain and Abel, the the, 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 the direct sons of Adam and Eve. Because they have rejected the Lord now, they put their their value and their possessions into into their attachments to material power, wealth, beauty, all of those things that we, we enjoy. And that's where Cain's heart is. And then when he sees Abel who has something better, what follows is the first recorded homicide. When Cain kills his own brother, it's the story of Cain and Abel. Because again, the human heart is is sick when we reject the Lord and we replace it with possessions. Again, that's the story from the very beginning all the way up until now. And so our Lord knows the human heart is what he wants. Like many of you over the past couple weeks, we saw the unfolding chaos in Afghanistan. If you saw, remember, as, as we withdrew, as the U.S. forces withdrew from that country, thousands and thousands of people started flooding to the airport. That was the only exit. And so you saw the crowds just 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 trampling each other down of people hanging on to our airplanes as they're flying off, people falling from airplanes. It was a horrific sight. Part of that crowd was the only Catholic church in Kabul. We've been in that nation for about 100 years. We started a mission there. And Afghanistan, being an Islamic country, it is illegal for Muslims to convert to Catholicism. But we still wanted to serve there. We still wanted to be there because to proclaim the gospel. And so, but then they place massive restrictions on us there. That we can't, we can't even mention Jesus to, to, to Afghanis. We can't even bring up the Bible to them. Otherwise, they'll cook us out of our country. And so what the, the primary mission of the Catholic Church in Kabul was an orphanage. It was ran by Father Giovanni Scalese an Italian priest, along with five missionaries of charity. Do you recall the missionaries of charity? They are the order founded by Mother Teresa, which, by the way, beautifully, today is her feast day. She died in 1997. You remember that when she died. She started this beautiful order. And part of the mission of the Catholic Church in Kabul was, we called out, Bring us your rejected children. Bring them to us. Because you remember, people in orphanages, these are the poorest of the poor. And our Catholic brothers and sisters in Kabul said, bring us to them. Bring us them. And so what you had here during that mass exodus, we had, we had 14 kids there. 
And the majority of these kids had mental defects, massive deformities. Because that's the, the kind of children that tend to end up in orphanages, those who are rejected. And those are exactly the kids we want, by the way. And so when we brought them there, oh, they interviewed Father Scalese and the, and the nuns there. Could you imagine those massive crowds that are pushing against the airport? You're trying to push children in wheelchairs through that crowd. That was our brothers and sisters in Kabul. As they pushed their way through, trying to get, get through the crowds, praise the Lord, they brought all 14 out of Afghanistan. They landed in Italy just last week in Rome. When they interviewed Father Scalese, and he described the chaos that ensued after there, you know what he said, Father Scalese and those nuns there? They weren't worried about their own safety. They were worried about the people they left behind. Because now that our soldiers are no longer there, you know what the Taliban is doing to us, by the way? You know what they're doing? They're going door to door looking for us. They're going door to door looking for the baptized. And so Father Scalese and the nuns said, our hearts are with our people in Afghanistan. Why did they set up an orphanage? Because they know the deepest pain that the human heart could ever endure is to be rejected. Do you realize that? The deepest poverty that we have is to be unloved, by the way. That's why it's not, it, it, it crosses boundaries. To be rejected, especially this is why old age tends to be hard, by the way. It's because our friends and our family tend to, it, we outlive them. And so oftentimes when I hear from older people, it's, just, it's, it's the poverty of being alone. And all that is the deepest sorrow of the human heart is to be rejected. And so that is why from the very beginning, all oh, the missionaries of charity or our Catholic missions throughout the world where, where she's in danger, we always set up orphanages because we want to bring and to love those rejected people. Well, by the way, just as a, as a slight tangent, when Mother Teresa set up the first missionaries of charity in San Francisco in the 1980s, you know what, we, you know what they did? They set up an AIDS hospice. Remember when the AIDS epidemic was breaking out in the 80s? We were terrified because we had no idea how it was transmitted. It was still a mystery. And so what Mother Teresa did immediately was the people affected with HIV and AIDS were utterly outcasts from their families and from society. And so Mother Teresa said, let's go there. Let's go to the rejected. Why? Because the human heart. We must heal the human heart. The human heart which rejects God, sees him as suspicious, which now latches onto material possessions for its dignity. And Jesus sees this powerfully in the gospel today, or in the second reading, rather. I chuckled at this because I said, ah, humanity never changes. Look at the second letter today. St. James is telling the people how to 
properly interact. He says, if a man with gold rings of five clothes comes into your assembly, and at the same time somebody poor with shabby clothes comes in, and you only pay attention to who? Guess, guess who we naturally, as, as fallen human beings, who do we naturally are attracted to? The person that is rich. Remember what I mentioned last weekend? Why is that? Because, again, the human heart attaches to material possessions and we place value on it disorderly. And so when somebody rich comes in and versus somebody that's poor, we are naturally attracted to the rich person. Why? Because we think that they're better. We always do that. That's why I get in rich people. If you want a lottery today, $100 million. By the time you get home, you'll have 20 messages on your, on your answering machine or your voicemail. From cousins, second cousins, third cousins. All of a sudden, hey, let's go out to lunch now. You rejected me for 20 years. Now you want to be friends? <laughs> St. James is pointing to this. He says, if a poor person, a rich person comes in and you only pay attention to the poor, he says, look what you're doing. Because the human heart attaches value, human value, thinking, ah, to heal the human heart, money, power, honor, pleasure. Ah, none of those things. How does God want the human heart? And this is where now, where the rubber will hit the road, right here. Notice what we do at the Holy Mass. Oh, I love the Mass, by the way. I love the Mass because it is so unlike everything throughout your normal day to day. It'll be totally un unlike anything. Notice this now, if God wants your heart, now put that, put, put that concept in. So if, if, law, if the God wants our human heart and he knows that it's sick, notice what we do in the Mass. First thing that we do. We begin the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. And then the priest will say to you, now let us call to mind our sins. What are we doing there? He's telling, the, the, the liturgy, the Mass is telling us, raise up your heart at that moment. Bring up all of your wounds, your pain, and your suffering. Raise up your heart. Bring it before the Lord. And we do what's called the penitential rites. And then the structure moves on to the powerful readings that we hear today in every Mass. And then after the, after the readings are done, we now shift to the liturgy of the Holy Eucharist. Notice the next line, and you'll hear this in a few moments. I'll say to you as we begin the second part of the liturgy, the Eucharist, I'll say to you, the Lord be with you. And you'll respond, and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. And then you respond, we lift them up to the Lord. At that moment now, and here's where the key, how to pray the Mass well. At that moment, when we shift to the liturgy, I want you to physically, to, to pray it well. Otherwise, Mass will utterly be boring and you'll miss the majesty of the Holy Mass. At this moment, I want you to imagine, take all of the pain, all of your suffering, the suffering of your family, the suffering of the entire world. I want you to bring your entire, entire self, the heart, to the altar. To, to pray it, to bring it into your, in, in, to your forefront of your mind and your heart. And you say, Jesus, as we stand in front of the altar... Jesus, here is my heart. Lift them up. Remember what the heart is in sacred scripture. The heart is the deepest core of the human being. The heart is not mere, mere emotion. It is the deepest core. 
And at every single mass on why the mass is structured, why in the mass there's moments of silence, why the mass, the prayers are repetitive. All of that is designed. It is to get out of our minds and to go deeper. And to bring it to the Lord in the Holy Mass. When the high priest, when the, Jerus- when the temple was still standing in Jerusalem, the high priest, there was always one high priest that was, it was, that was assigned, and he would only be allowed into the Holy of Holies, which is the most sacred part of the Jewish temple. When he would vest to offer sacrifices, he would wear a vestment with 12 stones that was woven into his vestments. And the 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And so what he did there was that as he entered to the Holy of Holies to offer the the sacrifice back to God, he was bringing the entire Jewish nation to the altar on behalf of the people. You and I, now what that prefigured, we now bring it to fulfillment because Jesus Christ is now the true high priest and now united through our baptism and every single mass at every single altar, we bring our entire selves to the altar and offer it up to the Lord. And it is only at that moment now, this opportunity for the human heart when we do this well and we pray the mass that we're healed, truly healed, And we confront every single darkness that the human heart that comes out of us is offered up to the Lord for its healing. If we don't do this here, we will supplant it with our addictions and the vices that we all endure with. You see, that's the other option. If we don't do this here, it'll work its way out in other ways that are unhealthy. And we could do this for decades. And the human heart will always be sick. Pray the Mass. Bring your entire heart now to the altar. And when you begin to do this, and you'll get better at it, by the way. You'll get better at it as time goes on over the years. Oh, the Mass will never be the same again. That's why I love being Catholic. Because there's no hiding here. When you pray the Mass, there's no hiding. As we bring our hearts to the Lord, who wants to heal this thing, which He desperately wants. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.